My name is Scott Challoner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. And to this end, we're joined on today's programme by Claire Dimpful, the owner and head of Tadpoles Nursery School in West London. Um, Claire, very warm welcome to you and uh, welcome back, of course, not the first time that you've been on the show. Thank you very much, Scott. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, just uh, to uh, sort of elaborate a little bit on uh, the uh, on what Tadpoles does, just for those listeners that haven't tuned in before and might not be familiar with you, um, you started the uh, the nursery school uh, back in the seventies, didn't you? Um, uh, in the uh, the Chelsea area, and uh, you've recently um, opened, of course, um, the uh, the new premises in uh, Kensington as well. So very exciting, uh, exciting times. We have. It's uh, it is. It's been it's been quite challenging. It's been. Uh, Opening something just after COVID is was you know it, it's not the ideal time as it would seem, but so far it's going very well. Mm. Um, we you know we've had uh, we we had huge success luckily with, with Chelsea, and over the years I have always wanted to open another, another setting, but I didn't want to go too far away because uh, I'm known in this area, and um, so Kensington Chelsea don't seem too far apart. When you've got little ones and they're trying to deal with traffic, it's much nicer to be able to walk to your school. So, so the Kensington site seemed a, an obvious one to us. Yeah, the placement certainly seemed like um, an obvious place to kind of bed down and open the uh, the new setting. And we've talked an awful lot about sort of some of the features at the uh, at the area in Chelsea. But um, is there anything sort of um, especially different about the uh, the Kensington site? Any new exciting developments there? We hope that the site will be um, well, very much the same philosophy, very much the same philosophy, but uh, slightly different. Obviously, every site is different. Um, we are on one a one-level site in Chelsea, and this site will have has stairs, which is actually not a bad thing for children to learn physically to be up and down stairs. And um, we are um, we have four lovely, lovely classrooms, and we have a garden, a small garden, but we are we lead out into a communal garden, which we are hoping to develop into our own as a communal garden for the community as well as us, so that we will be doing, um, we will be doing things like um, digging flower beds, digging, letting the children grow vegetables, mm. and things like that. Um, and which will be lovely. I mean, it's, it's really going to make a lot of difference to us. And we'd like it to be part of the community as well. We, our garden here, where we, we do lend our building, at the moment we're lending it to, it was used in the summer in Chelsea uh, for Ukrainian refugees. I, I let them have a building in the garden for the uh, their refugee children who were quite and apparently the garden helped them immensely um, mm. to, to overcome trauma. And so we're hoping to do it not uh, as, as near as we can in Chelsea, uh, in Kensington, as near as we can to what we're doing in, in Chelsea. But it will be different. It's a different area. Um, Forest School will be somewhere else. Mm. Uh, we're going to go up to Kensington Gardens. We won't have 
a site quite so close. Um, but we will replicate quite a lot of the things we have. Yeah, fantastic. And it's incredible as well to hear that you've kind of been doing your part and for the, um, the Ukrainian refugees as well. I mean, it's absolutely horrendous what's been going on there, of course, uh, this year since the, uh, the Russian incursion. And just kind of moving back to the uh, the garden side of things as well, um, just for, again, those that haven't listened to uh, to Claire's uh, other episode on the uh, the programme uh, last year, um, Tadpoles um, does have an award-winning organic garden, which uh, is used for the uh, the children. It really champions a focus on sort of all aspects of ecology within children's education. And uh, there's a very much a play-based approach of getting children to kind of grow and learn in their own way and going out into the world and sort of replicating that again. Um, that's essentially going to be a continuation of that philosophy, isn't it? Yes, it is. Very much so. And also, we've taken over the... Uh, early in the summer, I went with a colleague and we went to a very wonderful school called Greenside in Shepherd's Bush. And it, there we went, for a, we went for a sort of conference day. But the focus in that school is all about food. So they, they focus their curriculum on all aspects of food. So um, they will take, they will cook for the other children in the, in the school and um, they will go and buy the food and we're, we've taken to taking our children down if we haven't got the food in to grow we will take them down to choose fruit and things in in the co-op or in the supermarket or in a market we're trying to replicate that and and, and same because we always feel that school food is sidelined it's you eat and then you go and do something else and whereas if we have a focus on that and the growing it really does help children's development it does, doesn't it? I think there's sort of a bit of a skewed perspective, isn't there? We don't sort of think of it as uh, the fuel for us, do we? I mean, and we don't kind of uh, put that sort of sense of importance on it quite enough, especially um, when uh, we have sort of children of school age. Um, and just moving on from that as well, Claire, um, you mentioned earlier on uh, when we were talking about the opening of the new site, some of the challenges around doing that sort of in the immediate aftermath of the uh, of the pandemic. And uh, mm. I think um, it's it's worth talking about that because we're at a point now where in everyday life in everyday industry i mean it's very much sort of business as usual grappling with you know inflationary pressures the uh, the cost of living i mean i know that it's anything but business as usual where it's kind of getting on with the next challenge mm. and covid is mm. almost all but been forgotten in some quarters hasn't it but i suppose mm. when we're looking at education um and certainly in the uh, the early year settings as well I think some of the consequences of the pandemic are still sort of very much there for all to see, aren't they? Um, is that something that you've experienced? Uh, very, very much so. We we found that um, uh, when the school opened up, which was after all, not it was after three months we mm. opened up again. But we, we found that children had, in those three months, had been difficult. But the children who started the next September had really never had been socialised, never had social, had been really with the family all the time. Um, and they were lacking quite a lot of, in some cases it was language, some t- cases it was physical skills because there hadn't been a lot of being able to, to be in other places. And a lot of it was social skills with other children, etc. Um, that was when we made a decision. We used to take children at two and a half. We made a decision to drop the age to just, after two, um, so that they could start recovering those skills early. Mm. Um, talking to other schools, they, you know, we all are, 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 we all have the same concerns, have had the same concerns. We've also, um, not funny enough, but we have 
found that there has been a greater uh, emphasis at the moment on children with with needs, with some with not severe, some with quite uh, obvious special needs, uh, and much more. Again, talking to colleagues, talking to people in the other education, uh, later education, and uh, and also in early education, we're all seeing children who are identifying with needs. They can be speech and language, uh, occasionally physical. We have found we have a few more children who who appear to be on what well, we call it ASD now, but you would know it as the autistic spectrum. Mm. Um, and, and and of course, this raises new difficulties for us. Um, but we are all, you know, we we just continue training our teachers so we are able to identify and help parents with these situations. Exactly right. And um, I think we kind of almost take for granted, don't we, at times, just how difficult it is for young children in their formative years where they've missed out on that social interaction, that play opportunity with other children, how much it sets them back. And so um, from your perspective, I mean, you've had to adapt to that by sort of dropping the uh, the intake age to try and encourage them back in to recover that lost time. Um, yes, but obviously yes. in other settings, it isn't always as simple as that, is it? It's quite difficult. No, it is. And, you know, some settings don't take children until they're over three. Mm. And also some, some parents, you know, obviously, uh, well, where, where we are, uh, we don't have deprivation funding for two-year-olds, which is where the two-year-old funding kicks in because we're, we don't have many children in that category. But we do take the universal three-year-old funding. And many parents, don't wish to send their children, obviously, to nursery till three when that funding kicks in. But it does mean that these children might have, after COVID, uh, lost out a bit on, on, on you know, learn obvious things like learning to share, you know, learning to deal with their sort of hygiene needs, all those things which, which previously we, you know, they came to us and they they were. They'd learned to share. They've had socialisation. This has happened much later for them now. It is, absolutely. And of course, whilst all of this is happening, you're having to grapple with some lingering problems um, around, obviously, funding for the earlier sector. That's been a long-standing issue that we've, of course, brought up on the show before. Yeah. Um, but as well absolutely. as that, um, there's also the cost of living crisis now, isn't there, and rising energy bills absolutely. for settings such as yours. So it's a very delicate balance at the moment. It is, and I know that a lot of settings, uh, well, a few actually around here have closed, um, but many in other parts of the country have had to close. Um, I think one of the things the government was looking at was um, making uh, the ratio teacher to, to, to child higher for the under three. So at the moment, it's one, one teacher to every four children, and they were hoping to raise it to one uh, teacher to every five children. However, we just we are very not in favour of that. Uh, we mm. feel that that would be very detrimental to the child, uh, to the individual child. So um, even if it is raised, we will not be raising it. If it's a choice for us, we will keep it at one to four, because um, for us it's it's all about the child, and and we wouldn't be doing a service to the child to 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 add another child to the teacher's ratio. 
Yeah, I can certainly see where you're coming from there. I mean, the fact that sort of stretching teachers over sort of providing for more children could very well be detrimental to the child uh, in terms of the fulfilment of their needs and also their personal development as well. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, yeah, certainly makes perfect sense from my perspective. Um, as well as that, um, I suppose something that has come out of government this week as well on the uh, the cost of living crisis is uh, support that it's going to be providing for sort of households um, and businesses alike. Uh, of course, the Chancellor has announced today that the, uh, the national insurance increase is going to be reversed so I suppose in terms of salaries, there's going to be some savings made there. Uh, but as well as that, there's going to be support for um, for businesses as well. Um, and that includes, of course, um, schools and early year settings uh, to try and obviously uh, foot the bill for these uh, rising energy costs. So I guess... Well, this would be yeah. very important to us, very important to us. Um, you know, I mean, that takes up that and our rent and things take up a huge amount of our, of our, our, our finance. Uh, and also, we we like to pay our teachers, you know, well. I mean, tech, we aren't a day nursery, so their hours are fairly good, and um, they do get that paid holiday, which, uh, as we are uh, a nursery which doesn't run all year, goes runs for 15 weeks paid holiday a year. But, you know, they work extremely hard when they work. It can be quite stressful for them. And we need to make sure that they, they get a proper salary and not, Mm. Too much of it has to go on national insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because obviously we can't, we're not in the situation of, of paying them what you would in the city or something like that. Mm. That's exactly right, isn't it? And um, I suppose as well that when it's a delicate balancing act for so many providers in early years and yeah. you've also got that extra cost sort of going out not just in national insurance but also in energy bills as well it's uh it would have seen a lot of them going to the wall wouldn't it so hopefully this it step does. will preserve a lot of them i i hope so because um what i think the general public don't realize is actually early year setting is they say goodness you know there's a quite big um fees for all the extras we give you know we obviously charge fees and and you what they don't understand is we are, you know, we're not like a primary school where we can have one teacher and a teacher's assistant for a certain amount of children. We literally, are, our ratios have to be so high on the, on the teaching staff. Um, you know, and the costs are, are very high for early years. To, to run an early year setting properly, your costs are very high. It is exactly, and it's it's a challenging recruitment environment out there in the early year sector right now, isn't very, it, as well? So you have is. to... You have to you have to obviously entice uh, talent into the industry uh, by obviously paying this those salaries. It. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, and you know I have noticed we have noticed the trend that a lot of uh, well I had I, I don't often have new staff. I'm very lucky. I keep my staff, but I because of a couple of retirements I had uh, three new staff this year, and um, they all came from Danishes where they were saying that the hours were, for what they were paid, the hours were horrific. They had very long hours and um, very little holiday. It was a sort of 50, 50 weeks with that pay, and plus their paid holiday. But, you know, the school ran for 50 weeks a year. And um, they just did, they, they'd got disheartened by, by being in the day nursery world and wished to go into a, a more of a nursery school part, you know, which is, so we don't say we're part time. The, the the job is part time. It basically is more or less. It is more part time than working in a day nursery. 
Exactly right. And uh, just briefly going back to sort of the support that um, settings like yourselves and um, also further up the uh, the education ladder in schools can expect. Um, it is essentially a six month uh, sort of uh, time frame for the uh, support. It will sort of uh, last from October till April. And yeah. I suppose what the uh, what the government needs to be prepared for is the eventuality that should um, energy prices, wholesale energy prices not come down within that period of time and um, that support is quite likely going to have to be extended beyond um, the uh, the start of spring isn't it? Uh, I would hope so obviously our energy costs are less in the spring and summer but you know we we do have to keep the building I mean actually for children we uh, sometimes I feel um, which is a bit controversial. The buildings are kept too warm for small children, mm. um, and they do need, um, you know, one thing the governor's advised, and I agree, they do need a, an open window, and they do need a lot of outside play. But it is difficult for teachers to work in a situation where a room is is, is chilly as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess the governor thought it's come April, the weather will be warmer, and the support might not be needed so much. But you you know we still will need that support i think exactly right it's 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 essentially making sure that the cliff edge is uh, is essentially done away with rather than being delayed yeah. because children's learning is inevitably going to suffer when obviously funds that are meant for teachers and meant for their learning equipment and uh, play and um, all of the resources that, that requires is essentially exactly. diverted to keeping the building warm exactly exactly it's 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 you know it isn't really the best way to spend one's money for for helping these children it isn't exactly right and so um just before we wrap up on the uh, the program uh, today claire just because i'm mm-hmm. conscious that we're starting to uh, to run short of time i know it's a very mm-hmm. uncertain uh, situation at the moment but uh, if we could maybe look ahead perhaps sort of 12 months from now um where ideally do you sort of hope that uh, tadpoles is at that point in time given the uh, the severity of this uh, situation that we're in I would hope that Chelsea, I mean, technically we are, our books are full in Chelsea for the next 12, 18 months. So from that point of view, I hope that remains that the parents can afford our fees, can afford to go on sending them to to us and and taking advantage of all the things we have to offer. Um, And, you know, we would like, ideally, obviously we haven't, to, to, to fill Kensington with the same sort of level of, of 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 expertise and the parents enjoying it as much as they enjoy Chelsea, and I just hope that will happen. And the, the, the cost of living and um, everything else that's going on um, won't deter parents or or make them feel that that they need to cut back on on early years because I personally feel it's a very very important part of a child's life. It is, and it perhaps sometimes doesn't get the uh, the sort of respect and emphasis that it deserves, does it? So hopefully over this period of time, we start to see the sector also being that little bit more valued. We hope so. We hope that, you know, that, that it will be flagged up as one of the most important parts of a child's life. Nought to five is when they learn more than they're ever going to learn again in terms of, as Montessori called it, the absorbent mind. Mm. Um, uh, all the things they learn in that, that period and the way their brain is being formed. It's an incredibly important period in their life. It absolutely is. And uh, for anybody, of course, tuning into this particular podcast today, he wants to find out a little bit more about uh, Claire's work and about Tadpoles. Um, tadpolesnursery.com, I believe, is your website, Claire, and that includes, absolutely. Um, yeah, includes some information on uh, both sites as well, um, including on the, uh, the new one in Kensington, yes. 
And and we do have a Tadpoles Instagram account where we put lots of lovely work from the children. And in COVID, we read stories, bedtime stories, so that children, other children could take advantage of, uh, of those as well as our own uh, cohort of parents and children. Yeah, fantastic. And sometimes just a, a little look at a piece of artwork from a child um, at a difficult time where things aren't always the easiest emotionally. It can it can go a long way, can't it? It can have quite a profound impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we found it that parents were hugely grateful for what we did at that time. Absolutely incredible work that you've been doing. And uh, for anybody as Thank well, you. Um, Thank you, Scott. Yeah. for anyone as well, of course, tuning into this podcast who, uh, you know, is particularly impassioned by the issues that we have discussed today. Um, and maybe you are an early years provider yourself. And you can, of course, leave a comment with us um, at Leaders Council, uh, all one word, dot co dot UK forward slash contact hyphen us. Or you can even um, apply to be on the program yourself, yourself and share your perspective with us um, via Leaders Council dot co dot UK forward slash apply. And it could be you, of course, appearing next to me on the uh, the program next time around um, and do feel free of course to apply to be on the show also if you head your own business or organization in any sector and there is a topical matter or issue that you do wish to bring to the discussion table um, for now it has been an immense pleasure welcoming Claire Dimple from uh, Tadpole's Day Nursery onto today's program pleasure as always Claire having you with us and um, would be good to catch up again in future once um, obviously hopefully this situation has subsided somewhat thank you so much it's, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you as well it's been fantastic, Claire, as always. And to everybody tuning into this podcast, I do thoroughly hope that you've enjoyed the interview with Claire today. I have been your host, Scott Challoner, on the Leaders' Council podcast, as usual. And until next time, all please take care and goodbye and enjoy your weekends. <laughs>